Hi, and welcome back to the Worst Sister Shower podcast. We're the Worst Sisters. I'm Sadie. I'm Suna. And I'm Adzom. We're three sisters who have decided to start a podcast to talk about our favourite shows, movies and books. This week's segment is called Shadeswood and we are going to be covering seasons 4, episodes 9 and 10 of Prisoner of the Liars. Over here in the Shire we've got a motto and our motto is if attempted murder is a crime then attempted comedy is a podcast. So I'm going to hand off to Arzum now who's going to recap episode 9 for us. So episode 9 is called Into the Deep. And I think that it's called Into the Deep because there's a very like strong theme of water in this, uh, this episode. Everything is happening around water. Specifically, like Emily is going to go see a swimming trainer. She's having a surprise party on a lake. Jenna almost drowns. It's all a big ordeal. Great. Thank you. So episode 10 is called The Mirror Has Three Faces. And I don't know. I don't feel like there's a strong theme of mirrors in this one, like the Into the Deep one. Yeah. <laughs> the girls are all kind of busy with various things. So Aria has kind of started dating Jake now because she realized she was jealous. Oh my God. I hate that storyline. Hannah and Caleb are continuing their detective work. Caleb is, has been hacking into um, PO boxes. So that's been awesome. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so there's another rival detective team, which is Spencer and Toby. And they've been trying to find out what's been happening with um, Toby's mum, or what has happened, rather. And Emily moves in with Mrs. D, Mrs. De Laurentiis. That's all the excitement in this episode. All right, so who do we want to start with this week? I feel like it should be either Aria or Hannah. Yeah, I think Aria makes sense. All right, let's start with Aria and then we'll find our feet as we go. So we start Aria off with her basically being a frat boy. So Jake has stayed over because she was scared last episode, if you guys remember, because Mike went to a party and was playing pool. So she was very scared. And so Aria calls Jake to go on the hunt and then they watch old movie ads together and eat Cheetos for dinner. And this is now the next morning. Arya is sitting outside watching Jake change back into his clothes through the window, just staring at him while she's like just being a frat boy and just staring and just being gross while she's on the phone to Hannah, basically. Then she goes inside to talk to him and she basically lies to Jake and she says like, okay, I got to go meet Spencer. Sorry, can't hang out. And he's like, okay, well, let's grab coffee on the way. And also, what are you doing tonight? Is your dad back? And she's basically like, oh, yeah, yeah, my dad's back. Uh, Family movie night. Ha 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 ha. Can't just say Jake is nothing but lovely. And it's perfectly fine that if you if you're not into it and you don't like him and stuff like that. But don't be like leading him on. Yeah. Yeah. When she's at the brew having this conversation with Jake, Ezra is watching her because obviously like his teenage girlfriend now is seeing someone else basically. And he's very upset about it. So he's just watching her, not really paying attention. But Maggie kind of says to him I'm really excited to get my master's in education I actually got someone to sponsor it and he's like yeah yeah that's great whatever and he's like so and she's like yeah so um University of Washington and he's like um, I'm sorry what University of Washington like you can't just do that Malcolm mm-hmm. needs to see his father like and she's like it's fine you'll have summers and um you know school breaks and whatever and she's like, this is the only place that offered me money I have to go it's important to me and that's the end of the scene And, like, this is something that will come up again later, and I'll touch on this again then. But this whole time, Ezra is, like, incredibly outraged by the idea of Maggie moving to Seattle and taking his son with him, which, you know, there would be very difficult to deal with. But why did it never come up in these episodes that you could also move to Seattle? You have nothing going on. You tutor people. Yeah, that's literally true. I didn't think of that. Neither did I. That's such a good point. 
Like, that is so true. What keeps him here? He's not close with his family. He's no longer dating Arya. He doesn't have, like, a job that's, like, worth sticking around for. Why can't he go? Exactly. That's exactly what I'm thinking as well. Maggie's going for a paid, like, sponsored, you know, Masters of Education thing. Mm. Why does he not go? Yeah, no, that's 100% true. That's 100% true. Like, he doesn't even talk to his family to be like he wants to hang around for his family. Literally Mm. has nothing tying him to this town, except maybe he has feelings for Arya still. And she's like a teenager anyway. And if, like, Malcolm is as important to him as he's saying he is, you can move to Washington and get a tutor job there. Or better yet, go back to teaching there because there's more than two schools and you said it's your passion. Also, how does this man pay his bills? Is he just tutoring at this stage? No, he's working at the school as well. Oh, he's at Rosewood. Yeah, he is, he is. But he's a substitute teacher, isn't he? Yeah, but they still get money. Yeah, but not a full-time wage. A substitute teacher just substitute when another teacher isn't there. Yeah, but Ella's not there for a long time. Oh, so is he substituting for Ella while she's away, is he? Well, they can't keep an English teacher down, so yeah, I'm guessing. Interesting. Anyway, Maggie is going to go to Washington to check out apartments so that she can, you know, Mm -hmm. get a place to live before they move there. And Ezra's like freaking out about it. He's like, oh, why doesn't he stay here? He's got, so he doesn't miss any school, etc." which is like, fair enough. He can stay there for a couple of days. Um, and that's what Maggie initially says to him as well. Like, yeah, fine. He can stay with you. It's no problem. But then he literally starts acting like Malcolm is a grown man. And he's like, what's Malcolm even going to do in Washington? He doesn't know anybody there. <laughs> it's like, I know. What do you mean? He doesn't know anybody there. He's five years old, mate. And also, he's only been in Rosewood for two minutes. Who would he know in That's Rosewood? That's what I was going to say. That's exactly what I was going to say. He only just moved there, like, last episode, basically. Yeah, but also, like, what do you mean he doesn't know anyone there? He'll meet people in his kindergarten where he belongs. <laughs> he's just, like, trying to make a point at this point just being like oh you know Malcolm yeah. really likes it here because then he does bring up well maybe Malcolm should stay here because I have more free time than you do because basically all I do is bum around and live my life and you're gonna be busy yeah. with school so why can't he stay here and this starts a whole conversation between them basically Maggie being like no Ezra we can't do that Malcolm needs his mother and Ezra's like well you know he also needs his father and she says yes well he has only had me for the past seven years and he's like whose fault is that and now Maggie won't let him stay over the weekend either she could have just turned around and said they're your mothers literally yeah but then things get interesting so ezra goes to see the town lawyer which is veronica even though she's she's, uh you know not a family lawyer and he asks her about what his options are for trying to keep malcolm there he wants to stop uh maggie from leaving but veronica's like I'm no family lawyer, I'll refer you to one, but it's not looking good for you because you're not on the birth certificate and you haven't been on the kid's life. So the first thing you're going to need to do is prove your paternity and it's going to be an uphill battle. Yeah. Yeah, so then the next thing that happens with um, Ezra is he um, looks like he went off and got the paternity test. So he comes back into the apartment with an envelope. He tells Maggie to open it and she's like, what is this? And he's like, open the envelope. You already know I'm the one catching up. She opens it up and it's uh, the fact that he's not the father. You are not the father. You are not the father. Exactly. (laughs) So apparently she had this thing where she made a mistake. She went to a party and got drunk while they were together. She wasn't 100% sure he was the father, but she was like 90% sure. And she told herself the answer that she wanted to believe. But like you haven't been with him for like seven years. You could have like figured it out in the meantime yeah i know and also like the answer you wanted to believe is the rich boy's parents 
Yeah, that's what I was going to say. My initial instinct was she just wanted to keep believing that because Ezra's mum was paying her off. It was better for her to think that it was Ezra's kid. So now she got the best deal out of everything. She got the money for as long as it lasted and now she doesn't have to put up with Ezra too. (laughs) I know, literally. And also Ezra goes on this massive speech basically being like, oh, you know, you let me fall in love with him. You let me believe he was my child. I know what stuffed animals he likes now, blah, blah, blah. Very emotional time for Ezra. Fair enough, it would hurt. But also, you've known this kid yeah. for all of like four weeks. Yeah, but I mean, it's been a few months. But also, I I feel what he means. Like, if you think that's your kid and you start bonding with them, like that's hard. Yeah. My actual my note here says, if he wasn't actually a douche, this this would be sweet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But also, like while he's talking about all of this, Maggie is just like. I'm so sorry. And picks up her bag and walks away. Like that's the end of the conversation. Well, it was because she's moving to Washington. It's all tied up with a nice little bow. Yeah. And also he's got no claim to Malcolm now because he's not on the birth certificate. He hasn't known him for very long and he is not the father. Like what could he possibly claim? So it basically is the end of the conversation. Well, I'm ratchet. So I would chase after her yelling. If you're not causing a scene, you're not doing it right. Yeah, but they don't want to cause a scene because this is the end of the storyline. Now it's going to be a love triangle between Ezra, Jake and Arya. Yeah, so getting back to the Arya storyline, in a parallel universe, so we'll get to it in Emily's timeline, but Emily's had a surprise party thrown for her. So Arya is now at this party and she is not happy because Jake is at the party with someone else. Um, She lied to him in the morning and said she was going to be with her family. So he didn't know she was going to be at this party when he showed up with somebody else. And she's literally standing across from um, Jake and the girl that she says has giraffe legs. And her and Spencer are literally two metres away from them on an open floor talking, like, in their faces about how Jake is there with someone else. (laughs) And somehow (laughs) Jake and giraffe girl don't see them. Her name is Kim. This is a consistent thing throughout the party. At one point when Arya is meant to be watching Shana and Jenna, she's literally just staring them straight in the face. Like, I don't even know how to explain it. He's just, she's just like straight. Like, I get it. Jenna's blind now, but Shana can see. Yeah. And you're making direct eye contact with her. Why is like no one suspicious about this? And then they end up running into each other at the party and talking. And he was like, well, why did you lie to me? And she's like... Oh, no, he said, you don't have to lie. And she was like, no, I can lie. And she said that it just slipped her mind and she didn't mean to lie. But then she, like, gets into him about, like, oh, sorry that you're into, the like, the tall statuette model type. Like, oh, my God, Aria. And then, like, we'll get into it in Emily's storyline. But anyway, they have this thing. We see that she's a little bit jealous. We see that Jake's there with somebody else. Then a bunch of drama happens in Emily's, including someone almost drowned. But then Jake left this party that he went to with Kim and is at Arya's. I know. Yeah. Literally why. I know. I have no idea why. Like they end up saying during that conversation that we find out that Kim is just a friend, he says. But like, okay, so you went to this party with your friend, somebody drowned and you left with someone else? Yes, of course. Because last time we left at the party, he was like, Kim's just saying goodbye and I'm going to drive her home. So what did you do? Carpool, drop her off on your way to Arya's? Like... I know. I picked up another date on my way. I know. Um, but also, you know what I hated about this scene? How mm-hmm. they're talking about, um, you know, what happened there. They're like, oh, you know, if Emily was a couple seconds late, then, you know, Jenna would have died. And we'll get into it more in Emily's storyline. But then Jake says to her, 
I knew your life was complicated, but didn't know it was this complicated. Like what? This wasn't even about yeah. her and he doesn't know anything else that's going on with her as far as he knows. He doesn't yeah. know the background. Why would he think that Jenna almost drowning has anything to do with Arya's life? I don't know, but he does. And then, so she's like, um, yeah, me, Mona and um, Jenna, we go way back. We have a lot of history. Does he even know who Mona is? <laughs> well, actually, yes, because at the end of the last episode, when she was, when he was in her living room, she had to leave suddenly to go to the police station and be like, Mona just confessed to my best friend mum's, best friend's mum's accused murder. Yeah. And then she came back and he was still there. And the, the, the episode oh, started okay. with him after she was ogling him. He starts by saying, yeah. is that about Mona? And he, she was like, no. Uh, okay. Anyway, the end result is that he says that Kim was just a friend. She admits that she was jealous, um, but she can't have anyone else in her life right now. He's like, yeah, just let me steer your life for a while. And she's like, okay. And then in episode 10, she is like just into date mode now with um jake apparently he has a real big match on tonight it's the regionals and she definitely wants to go see him but they're like super into each other now and she cannot miss this fight she's like of course i want to come see you why wouldn't i yeah so she goes down to see his fight to philly and she uses that as an excuse to check out that address that was given to her by hannah so she uses the rouse of i'm going to go get froyo and just disappears for the next what hour or so how far is a frozen yogurt place uh you gotta burn off those calories you know and then she turns up without froyo like if i was him i'd be pissed anyway so um off she pops to find this address she finds it and there's like this girl that's like uh looks to be like she's moving out and she stops her and she's like uh do you know cc drake i'm looking for cc drake and the girl's like well if you find her let me know so dun 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 we found a connection to the address that was given to her by Hannah and Caleb and Cece Drake. But basically Caleb says to Hannah, like, yes, I found the address and everything, but I don't know who it belongs to because the guy I spoke to just said, you know, a girl used to use this PO box. And they're like, oh, a girl, it could be Cece, but it could also be the other 50% of the population. Yeah, okay. but yeah. So they think it's Cece because, like, Shana just told them she, that Jenna is scared of Cece in the last episode. But And it's that thing that they do where they jump to conclusions so that they hear one thing and they try to prove it. But also, yeah. like, I was going to talk about it more in Hannah's timeline, but this genius, he gets a PO box. He finds out a girl was using it. He somehow hacks the PO box. <laughs> Yeah. By finding a gas bill that belonged to the P.O. box from somewhere. And he's like, when, and it's not like he, you know, broke into the P.O. box and it was in there. That would have been a more sensible answer. Hannah's like, how did you get this? And he's like, can't tell you because I'd have to talk about firewalls and code and that would be boring. And like, okay, this makes no sense. But also... If he found the gas bill, wouldn't the name of the person be on that bill? Yes. No, because all bills are anonymous, duh. Like, this whole thing made no sense. Like, literally, it would have made more sense for him to be like, oh, I broke into the P.O. box and I found this address. And it was a cable bill, sorry, not a gas bill. Yeah, so she finds this girl and it looks like that... Um. CC was living with this girl and paying bills up until she got um, kicked out of school. But then I got, I got confused about this timeline because it's like... No, go on, because I'm also confused. I was going to ask you guys questions now. Yeah, because she got kicked out of UPenn like years ago when Ali was around. Three years ago, Aria said, like yeah. when she was at 
at the parties, like when everything went down apparently. So why yeah. is this girl still chasing Cece down having to move out three years later? Yeah, I agree with that. It just makes no sense because it was like, oh, she stopped paying bills when she got kicked out of UPenn. But like, yeah, that was years ago. That was Ali was alive then. So it wasn't just me confused by this. No, no. the, the storyline didn't make any sense unless they've got the most lenient landlord in the universe. Because I thought I missed something. Because then when she's like, oh, you must be one of the other four she-devils, I'm like, where is this even coming from? Like, how? Well, it turns out Cece was trash-talking all of them the whole time. So because yeah. according yeah. to this girl, Cece told them that, um, you know, she got kicked out of UPenn because of Ali, apparently – um, she got kicked out because of that girl that was pushed down the stairs that we saw in some flashback like a thousand years ago. Yeah, that I completely forgot about. And Cece got uh, kicked out for that, but apparently it was Ali. And Cece said to this girl that, you know, there's four other she-devils that um, are basically the same as Ali and they're in on it too and she hates them for it. And then she goes to see Jake's match. Um, she gets a call from Ezra. And then she's like to Jake, oh, sorry, I'll be a minute. Like, I have to get this. And then she stares at it and hangs up on him and then walks in. Like, I know. Okay, okay, just hang up and go. That was a dramatic choice, okay? Because then you you move to a scene of Ezra staring into his own reflection in, like, a glass cupboard or something. Oh, maybe that's the mirror. It has three faces. But also, like, how selfish. You know Arya's trying to get over you and everything. Like, the first sign of a problem you have, you want to dump all your problems on her? Like, no. This is giving Susan energy, jumping all her problems on Julie. Yeah, like, first of all, you're a grown... Exactly, because he's a grown man and she's a teenager also. Yeah. Anyway, and then Arya's storyline ends with her and Jake eating a burrito on a stoop. All right, who are we up to next? Yeah, I was going to say Hannah. Yeah, Hannah's good. So we start Hannah off with her and Veronica visiting Ashley in jail. And um, Ashley's just kind of found out about Mona confessing to the murder. We find out that Ashley's... um, The judge has decided to, you know, err on the side of... I don't know what the hell is going on here and grant her bail. So if she pays her bail, she'll be able to go home. Yeah, but bail is set at like a million dollars. And But literally when Veronica was telling her about bail, before she said the $1 million, she was like, oh, you know, it's a good thing because now at least you can wait at home. Why would you tell me you can now wait at home when bail is a million dollars? Like, if that was me, I'd literally be in jail. Like, I'd just have to live there. Too bad. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Okay. So now explain to me why Hannah's in the park. She meets um the that Ted guy. I don't want to say his job description because I pronounce it like pasta. That's how you pronounce it. Th- that is how you pronounce it, right? Yeah. But like in American, they call it pastor. Yeah, they say pastor. You sh- you can't tell the difference between macaroni and a religious leader. It's pasta. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm not saying it wrong. So we see Pastor Ted and he's like jogging, maybe. I don't know. He's just hanging out in the in the park i guess and hannah's on the on the bench and she's fighting with her dad's voicemail to try and raise the money no i think it was with her actual dad yeah (laughs) no but also like such a weird conversation to be having in the middle of a public park yeah right so she's like give me the give me the money now dad but what i don't understand is why they've gone from a hundred like a million dollars to a hundred thousand dollars because you only need to pay 10 percent of bail apparently i don't i don't know how it works i think there is some things where you only pay a percentage of it but if you do leave you're liable for the whole amount or something i don't know yeah, I think that's true. My issue is still that when she's on the phone, she's like, oh, dad, come on. It's only $100,000. It's not a full yeah. million. Yeah. 
So she was yeah. like, please pay your ex-wife, who has no bond to you apart from being my mother, $100,000 yeah. bail, and tell your current wife not to get angry at your decision. Are you, like, shitting me? Yeah. But also he's barely being a father or being bonded to Ashley through Hannah because when her mum got put in jail, she went back home. If he was a normal dad, she'd just be having this conversation with him at home because she lives with him. Good old pa- Pastor Ted, he, he comes around and... um. He hears a conversation and strikes up a new conversation with um, Hannah, asking her, like, what's going on, blah, blah, blah. And apparently Caleb is trying to sell his car so that um, so that they can yes. get this 100000 How much is Caleb's car going to be? Yeah, like, that was my comment as well. Like, what's he going to get, two grand? Caleb doesn't even have a car, if you'll remember. His mum lets him drive her car. Uh, maybe she bought him one now, though, because she is rich. Then maybe it's fancy, but it's still not $100,000 fancy. Literally all of the girls could sell their cars and not getting $100,000. Anyway, so she explains the situation to Pastor Ted. And then she's like, I don't need faith. I need money. <laughs> yeah, I know. I love that quote. Literally same, Hannah, same. So she stomps off um, trying to figure out how to get $100,000 to get her mum's bail. And then miraculously, an anonymous donor puts in the $100,000 bail for um, Ashley and Ashley gets to come home. Yeah. And literally, who knows how this happened? (laughs) Who knows? Mystery. Literally a mystery. So Ashley comes home and she's got new hardware on her ankle. She's got an ankle monitor. and So she's like confined to house arrest, basically. But what I don't understand is how those things can detect alcohol because she's and then in the other series that we're watching, Desperate Housewives, you've got Carlos eating and drinking whatever the hell he wants lying on the couch. So does it or does it not monitor your alcohol intake? Also, how does something you wear on the outside of your body monitor how much alcohol you've got on it? I know that they can. I just don't know the, the ways behind it. I found a website that says it's like a breathalyzer for the ankle. Um, my ankle don't breathe, bro. <laughs> <laughs> it must do. It tests your sweat, it says. Test the wear of sweat for alcohol every 30 minutes. What if I just put put it over my pant leg? Then I don't get sweat. No, they put it onto your leg and you can't put anything between it. They put it on quite tight. Also, what if my leg don't sweat? Then bonus to you. Put a great big fan on it and then drink away. Yeah. I know. Like, there's got to be ways around that. Anyway, so um, Ashley is like, oh, um... My bail was posted anonymously. I think that's how Tom got around Isabel. I know. Um, Just because it's anonymous doesn't mean Isabel isn't going to notice 100k missing. Yeah, from an account. Like, she's going to notice it missing from her account, not because it says it on your bail form. Literally. Anyway, so, um, and then next thing you know, there's a knock at the door, and guess who it is? It's Pastor Ted. So, um, Ashley invites him in for pie. As he's leaving, he sort of says to her, I've got a lot riding on you. We all can now safely know that he's the one that paid all that money. Yeah, he says, yeah, whatever you do, don't run. I've got a lot riding on you or something like that. I like how it's anonymous, but like, let me just basically tell you, I'm the reason you're home. Yeah, but I think he was doing that so that he's, was. is it a parish? I don't know the religious terms, like the people that he reverence, he pastors. <laughs> don't know <laughs> that he's... He pastors. <laughs> <laughs> The people who paste. I don't know the I don't know the correct terminology for it, but like the people that he he sermons to, I guess. Yeah, the people in his church. <laughs> yes, his churchgoers don't know that he's helping a supposed murderer, an alleged murderer. My biggest issue is 
How on a not-for-profit salary are you affording $100,000 bail anyway? Mate, these pastors make so much money. Everything the church gets is tax-free. Yeah, but he's not the church. He's an employee of the church. He literally is the church. Who hires him? Him. I'm going to change professions. Literally. <laughs> oh, what's that? I think my phone's ringing. It's God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are you guys going to go find your calling boogie boarding in like Samoa or something? Basically. What was that from again? From this. That's how he found his calling. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's that from again? The show we're covering currently. The character we're speaking about, yes. <laughs> anyway, Ashley tells Hannah that it was Pastor Ted and she and all she can say is, Oh, he must like you a lot. No shit, yeah. Sherlock. Like really? All I'm saying is I've been with my partner for almost four years and not once has he given me a hundred thousand dollars, so he must not like me. If he liked, he would give you and each of your sisters $100,000. Literally, exactly. Like, you don't care about my sisters now. <laughs> Tell him he's cancelled. So that was the end of that episode for Hannah. So in the next episode, Hannah's asking Caleb about the forwarding address that they found for the P.O. box. He doesn't know who it belongs to because it's not like she's a birthday girl in a cake or whatever he said. So Caleb wants to check out the address in Philadelphia. And Hannah says, actually, Ari is going to do that. So... Why don't you and I sneak into Radley? Because by this stage, um, Hannah has found out that Mona's ended up in Radley following um, her confession. And Caleb rightfully is like, um, how about no? He basically says, bitch, you crazy. I said, well, he basically tells her to stop effing around. And now she needs to tell her parents and the cops about A. And she's refusing because she says it will make it worse. But like, literally how? What's going to happen here? You may help your mum out, actually, if you start telling people what's been happening now. Anyway, so then Hannah decides, uh, since she didn't get Caleb's support, she's just going to hunt down Ren. So apparently she's called the office and some nurse just tells him he's having coffee at the brew. Why would you just tell a random person that calls, first of all? Second of all, he's in the most obvious spot in town ever. So just go look there in the first place. I know, literally. Where else does anyone go in this town? So she wants to be led in to see Mona and she says that she's worried about Cece because Cece's helped them before. And Rennie's like, oh, by the way, our blonde tried to go in to see Mona last night and I thought it was you, but now that you mention it, maybe it wasn't. And Hannah's like, oh, who was she? And he's like, I have no idea. She was turned away. And she wants him to have a look at the security cameras to see if it was Cece. And he's like, oh, I'm not sure if I can. Like the hospital's short staff. So Hannah leaves. And immediately he makes a phone call, which is like the first immediate thing you do when you're sus in this show is like you watch someone walk away and then you make a phone call. Yeah. And he's like, oh, we have a we have a problem. I'll take care of it on my end if you take care of it on yours. And that's it. That's the entire conversation. But also here's my thing. If like Hannah knowing any of this is a problem, why is he saying shit to her? Yeah. Yeah, I know. She literally came over there knowing nothing, just saying, I want to go in to see Mona. All he had to do was say, nah, sorry, can't help. Well, he can't do that because he's trying to scam on every like 16-year-old girl in this town he can find. Yeah, well, if he wasn't doing that, he would just say, hey, mate, I'm a professional. I could lose my job, yeah, so I can't let you in to see your friend Mona, yeah? That's not how he sounds, but sure. Well, that's like saying, though, if these girls didn't keep doing dodgy shit and then keeping secrets about it, we wouldn't have a show then. Anyway, so he goes one step further and then goes to see... Veronica. Oh, that's it. Veronica. 
I keep forgetting her name. That lady looks like Marisha Hagate, the one that does um SVU. Yeah, she does. Yeah, she does. So he goes to go see her, and he's like, "Oh, by the way, you want to be careful of Mona because she's gonna hurt your case. Blah blah blah. She's going to mm-hmm. railroad you, stuff like that." So this sends like sends her into like mama bear mode. So she goes to go see Mona. Like, why would you even do that? And then threatens Mona while she's I there. Know. And then she proceeds to get herself thrown off the case. Like, that's literally the reason why he went there. To goad her into going to see Mona. And you would think that being the town lawyer, she would know better than to do that. Like, for her client's sake. But now we know that Ren is evil and he's working with someone to try and bring the girls yeah. down. Um, and if all of that wasn't enough, we know when he's menacingly colouring in a red coat in a picture. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, literally. Cool. So then next we've got, I reckon, Emily. So we start Emily off with her walking around with Paige. You know, I'm guessing because they're sporty. They went for a run because they look sporty. And, but yeah, so Emily, um, it's her birthday tomorrow. So Paige just said, I got the key to my aunt's, you know, lake house, cabin, whatever. Let's spend the night there together. First of all, none of you all should be going to any lake house cabin ever again. Both of you nearly died there like last season. I know. They literally learn no lessons. I know. And then the other time you guys went to a cabin in the woods, it got burnt down. So maybe stop going. Yeah. Like cabins and woods are not for you people. And let's also not forget the time where they were in the woods and someone chased down their car after giving them a flat tire. Yeah. But anyway. Also, let's not forget the fact that if I was like to my parents when I was in high school, I'm just going away with my, you know, girlfriend or boyfriend to a cabin on the lake. <laughs> and I'm still in high school, by the way. They would be like, oh, I think the hell not. <laughs> I know, literally. Um, But I guess we find out, you know, Wayne is in Texas and Emily's mum, Pam, is at some police conference thing um, in Harrisburg. So she's just running free from her hotel, I guess. And we'll cover off on this again later as well. But why is it that Emily and Pam are not staying with any of the girls? Like, yeah, I understand, like, Hannah's situation. But why is Veronica, with her 1,000 empty rooms in a literal cabin in her backyard, not offering a space? They literally don't go into it. So they talk about this vaguely later on. So I covered it off in, I think, like Spencer's timeline because it's a conversation between Spencer and Hannah. Mm. But um, when Mrs. D offers them the thing, Hannah's like, oh, I can't offer her a place to stay because, like, you know, my mum's on house arrest and stuff and, you know, this is not the right time. Fair enough. And then Spencer's like, yeah, cool. <laughs> like, yeah, says nothing. no one says anything. But, like, she literally has a whole guest house in her backyard that could be separated and give them privacy. Yeah, and Arya's literally the only person living in her house at the minute. I know, literally. Like, there's so much space for them to go. No, she needs to go into her dead childhood best friend's house. Yeah, and we'll go into it again. But they also repeatedly overlook the fact that Pam would also need to stay somewhere. Like, they keep only talking about Emily. At the moment, um, Paige gives Emily an early birthday present and she says, I've organized you this meeting with this guy, Dominic. He's like the best swimming coach ever. He trains people for school and scholarships, but also Olympians and everything. Um, Just go meet with him because... Wouldn't you rather spend, you know, the next year training and then spending four years with the person you love, doing the thing you love at Stanford, basically? And Emily meets this guy and he's like, yeah, cool. You've got some bad habits, but, you know, you show promise and stuff like that. We can definitely work on it. Um, But I need to monitor everything you drink, eat and shit and sleep for the next, you know, year. (laughs) And she's like, yeah, Yeah. cool. Sounds good. I can do it. I've been working hard. And then she mentions her shoulder injury and... Evidently, Paige did not mention this to Dominic because we find out later on she said, I didn't want him to not meet you. And because of this, Dominic basically says, look, like you're talented, but 
with an injury like that, I wouldn't put you in the pool for at least six months. Um, and that's without you needing surgery. Emily leaves the appointment, like really kind of disheartened and everything. And she gets to the cabin where the surprise party has been set up. And no one is ever suspicious walking into a completely dark house where there's only one person in it. <laughs> yeah. But the th- thing that I had a problem with this surprise party is that everybody's waiting in the dark. Emily comes in. Paige is like, hello. She walks in, closes the door, has enough time to walk in, turn around, face Paige again. And like, yeah. they're still waiting in the dark for nothing until she I know. yells out, why did you lie to Dominic? And they were like, surprise. I know. <laughs> like, you could have said surprise as soon as she walked in. Agreed. It was just to add tension, basically, and they succeeded. But everyone yells, yeah. surprise. And Emily yeah. has to pretend she's not super pissed at Paige right now. Yeah. And also, like, in this scene as well, I'll mention it now because it's part of this scene. Like, we see another real bitch Aria moment. Where, um, so I don't know if we've mentioned it already, but Jenna's been losing her sight again. So we find out yeah. um, in the last, over the last kind of couple of episodes that um, sometimes it happens, the sight just doesn't, it's not successful after the surgery. So she's been losing her sight again. Aria decides to update Emily on what's been happening. Oh my God. And she literally yeah. says, Jenna's back and she's knocking into walls. What a I cow. Know. Oh my God. Literally. Bitch is acting like she didn't blind her with her friends. Yeah. How does Arya actually live with herself? Even if that wasn't the case, that's such a nasty thing to say about someone who's like going through something so traumatic and upsetting. Yeah. Like, and she's convinced that she's such a good person. Everyone's a bitch to Jenna all the time. And I'm like, I would hate you guys too if you blinded me and never suffered any consequences. And then this is like the beginning of what I'm going to call Emily's gross overreaction. Emily is just like shitting on Paige so much this episode. And I feel like I'm not a Paige fan, but I don't feel like she deserved it this much. Like she's just throwing no. you this surprise party. She's gotten you an interview with this guy. Like, yeah, she didn't mention your injury to him, but like, you know, you were going to meet him. You can tell him about your in- your injury. Yeah, like you could have started that conversation off like that. Like, hey, thanks for meeting me. I wasn't sure where I'm up to because of my injury, but it's good to get your opinion. Like, you could have literally yeah. started yeah. off that way. Yeah, Paige is like, oh, I wanted to make sure that he saw you, and you know, I wanted to show you that you had options. And Paige and Emily like pushes it back on her. First of all. Let me go into this. Paige says to her, like, I know how much you wanted to swim. And Emily's like, oh, you mean how badly you wanted me to swim? When literally Emily was the one a a few episodes ago that was being a sad sack about it, being like, I'm not the kind of person that can sit by and cheer you. Yeah, all I want to do is swim. I can't sit by and cheer you like some loser in the stands if I'm not swimming. That's literally what Emily said to her. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. And so, like, she's turned this whole thing around on Paige because she's like, oh, Paige is, um, isn't able to face the fact that we're probably not going to be at Stanford together next year and, like, it's all on you, Paige. But, like, Emily, mate, pull your head in. Agreed. She was just shitting on Paige this whole time. She never said thank you for anything. And when Paige is yeah. like, okay, can you just – I know we're on a bit of a rough thing right now, but all these people are here to see you. Can you at least pretend you're having a good time for them? And she's like, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, what a bitch, honestly. I know. Um, And, like, we'll cover off on everything else that happens um, in Spencer's timeline because of the Jenna stuff. But after everything that happens, um, they're still staying at this cabin because she got the keys, I guess. And they're getting ready for bed and stuff. And Emily lies down. And Paige comes over and she's like, she's like, oh, hey, Em, like she wants to tell her something. And Emily just pretends she's fallen asleep. Yeah, but her eyes are yeah. wide open. And before that, though, like Paige is like trying to, 
give Emily some comfort, I guess. And she's like, oh, you know, like Jenna could have fallen in. Uh, and Emily's like, oh my God, you're an idiot. Like she had a wound on her head and she's like, maybe she hit her head on a rock. And she's like, yeah, no, no, someone was trying to silence her about Ali. Like Emily. <laughs> Were you silent or silenced? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know, man. I just, I just couldn't vibe with Emily this episode. She's just feeling sorry for herself and taking it out on Paige. But then the next episode, we start off Emily with getting a text from Pam being like, oh, by the way, you're staying at um, Ali's mum's house and you're going to be staying in her room. Bye. So she doesn't want her to go there because she thinks it's creepy. But Hannah convinces her that she should. Yeah. Okay. And I want to say, Hannah says, you have to do it because that's our best chance of finding Cece. Like, why? Do you think Ali left a map behind of where to find Cece in times like this that Mrs. De Laurentiis has re-unpacked. Yeah, like that house has been packed up and moved and then packed up and then re remade into that thing. Like what chance have you got to find any clues on anything at this point? Yeah, if there was anything worth finding, it would have been found by now. Yeah, that's literally, like, she just thinks that, like, Mrs. D has also put back all of Ali's, like, secret note items and everything else that she hides around. Yeah, we found this in the air vents. Let's put that there too. Yeah. Exactly. This is how she would have had it. And yeah, and also then Spencer's trying to comfort her. And she's like, it's not that weird that, you know, um, Mrs. D made the shrine of her daughter. A lot of like old families would like basically mummify their children and take photos with them to remember them and stuff like that. She's like, oh yeah, great, great comfort, Spence. Thanks for that. And she's like, well, if you're freaked out anyway, why can't you just invite Paige over to stay with you? Because first of all, you're in someone else's house. You can't just invite people willy-nilly, let alone your girlfriend. Yeah. Mm. Like, first of all, I just thought that was so weird, um, a weird thing to even suggest. Also, why don't any of you volunteer to stay with her? I know, literally, that's what I was going to say. And that's my second of all. She has literally yeah. invited you into the house several times now. Why don't you guys go stay? This whole scene was idiot. <laughs> this whole scene was idiot. <laughs> Emily just kind of says me and Paige are not on good terms right now, basically, and dismisses it. But later on, we see that Em is like going into the living room after she unpacks and stuff. And Jessica is talking to her about how she's basically just found out she's getting divorced by Kenneth. And she talks a bit more about it and basically says that like, oh, well, you know, me and Ken, we um, grieved very differently. I started seeing Ellie everywhere. Like I ran after a girl that like in the park and just basically tackled her. And that's why I wanted the room. Whereas Ken wanted everything boarded up and to throw away the key to never like think about it ever again. And Emily's like, oh yeah, I know exactly what you're going through because um, this person that I'm seeing, it's like we're both turning into different people and none of us want to acknowledge it. Yeah, in her so, like yeah. two-month relationship. Yeah, her two-month relationship. It's the same thing as losing a child and grieving very differently about it. Yeah, and divorcing from your um, like your 25-year ma- marriage which produced two kids and one of them died. <laughs> yeah, that's the same thing as your two-month relationship, Emily. <laughs> yeah, really tragically and violently and fa- was found in your own backyard. Yes, correct. There's a couple of things I want to say about this scene though. So we do see that someone's kind of creeping on them while they're having this conversation. Yes, we do. There's somebody kind of spying on them in the house. And the other thing that I wanted to say is like when Emily does talk about the person she has a relationship with, um, Mrs. D assumes it's a he and Emily's like, oh, actually, like, by the way, I'm a lesbian. And Mrs. D says that she's so proud of her. And then um, she says some weird shit about Ali and she says, if anyone loved her more than me, it would have been you. And I just wish she reciprocated that love. Like, what are you saying right now? Yeah, I wish she loved you back. Like, I don't know. Mrs. D is like such weird mean girl vibes, I feel like. Like, what a thing to say. Yeah. And she also makes like shitty comments about Hannah, you know. 
how she used to be fat and everything before. Yeah. And now she's like to Emily, too bad my daughter didn't love you. <laughs> and I think this was meant to be like a sweet scene because she's like, I'm so proud of you and stuff as well. But it just came across really weird and rude. Yeah. Anyway, so throughout all of this, Mrs. De Laurentiis basically says, you know, that her furnace hasn't been working this whole time and she's going to get someone to come see it. So someone does come and check it out and they're like, oh, yeah, cool. You're going to have heat soon. But just FYI, it looks like you have a bit of a problem down there. And so Emily and Mrs. D go down there to check it out. And it looks like someone's been squatting down there. Like there's a sleeping bag, there's old containers and like snacks and mm. things like that. And Emily's like, oh, shit, like should we call the police? And Jessica's like, no, nah, don't worry about it. They probably moved out when Jason moved back in. First of all, no, that's terrifying. Call the police. Second of all, like, it's new wrappers. It doesn't look like it's old. Like, there's no dust collected on it or whatever. You would assume that something that's underneath the house would be, like, a little bit dusty or something, Mm. but no. But Emily does figure out that it was probably someone that was there while other people were living there because when she turns off the lights, she sees light streaming through from the living room down to the basement. So I think this is where... A was drilling holes a few episodes ago. Remember how we were trying to guess yeah. what they were drilling? Yeah. This is what it was. So A's been living in the house spying on them, it seems like. But then we also see Redcoat with like a power tool or screwdriver or something moving like a trellis to get into this space under the house. Was a Redcoat living there? Is A and Redcoat the same thing? Yeah. Literally no idea. Don't know. Literally, you guys have all the ideas, but no one is telling me anything. Um, no, I think you'll find we don't know. And then I think you'll find that at the end of um this episode, A throws the dirty heels that they stole from Ashley into the rubble of Emily's broken down house. Yeah, but I would have thought they would have gone through that already. Yeah, you'd think so. Like there's pictures still with the broken frames and the broken glass just hanging out. Like when Edie's house burnt down, the first thing they did was go through the house. Well, I guess here they're not trying to solve a mystery. Like they know somebody crashed into it from the outside. Yeah. Maybe they should search Ali's bedroom for clues. (laughs) Yeah, I think so, yes. Same thing. Cool. That brings us to Spencer. So with Spencer's storyline, there's two sort of timelines going on. One with her and Jenna and one with her and Toby. So I think we should cover off on um, the Jenna stuff first. Yeah, let's do it. So first time we see Spencer is her and Arya are eavesdropping in on the conversation that Jenna and Shana are having like very loudly and publicly in their school, um, just like in the courtyard mm. for some reason. As you do. Yeah, exactly. Anytime I want to keep a secret, I announce it to the school. So what we can hear the girls talking about, Jenna and Shana that is, um, Jenna's kind of saying, I should have gone to the cops. I should have told the cops what I know about Allison. And Shana's kind of responding. She's saying, no, it was too dangerous. Don't say anything. Um, just give me more time to figure things out until tomorrow anyway. Just give me time and I'll stick with you no matter what. I promise you'll be okay. And Arya and Spencer are sitting there like, oh, what does this even mean? Like what, you know, what were they talking about? Do you think, you know, that means Allison is alive? And Spencer's like, no, I actually think it means she knows who killed Allison. So that's what they're trying. They kind of just really want to know what is going, what, what Jenna knows about Allison. They feel like yeah. they need to figure out what she knows because it's going to give them the whole picture now. Um, At the surprise party that's being organized by Paige, um, initially Arya's like, hey, 
um, is the whole swim team coming? And Paige is like, yeah, 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 but don't worry. Shana knows she's not invited. She's not welcome here. And Spencer's kind of like, oh, could you actually re-invite her? Because we have some of our own drama to get done now. And we'd like to use Emily's party as a guise to get Jenna and Shana here. But like none of this made sense to me because like the thing that they say to bring Shana along is that Coach Fulton is going to be there. Like, first of all, why would the coach be at this girl's birthday party at her aunt's lake? That's full of other teenagers. That's the first weird question. The second weird question is, why is it so important for you to see her at a party? Like, just see her on the, I don't know. What do you call it? A field? A pool? Just see her at the pool a tomorrow. Pool, yeah. Shana makes it out as if like she needs to be like a part of the team and like really be there with the girls because she's new and the coach needs to see this. But it's like, yeah. does it really matter? Anyway, Jenna obviously hates these girls, so she is not happy about being there. And um, I yeah. have here in my notes, when they come in, I literally said, instead of walking over, I said, Aria and Spencer, bitch on over to Jenna. They actually do bitch on over. They're such bitches in this episode to her. They literally bitch on over and they're just like reminding her that she's blind. She's like, oh, hello there. Are you having trouble with your eyes again? Well, even before that, she's like, oh, Jenna, so good to see you. Like, can you give this girl a break? Also, like, they supposedly want information out of her. Yeah, this is how you do it. You bully her. Yeah, and she just basically, like you said, flat out asks, like, can you see or not? And Jenna's kind of just like, I can see everything I need to. Don't you worry. Yeah. And then they just act even more sus and they're like, oh, by the way, can you go outside for a photo? We're all taking one. And like no one else is moving anywhere. So obviously um, Shana's like, ah, yeah, we'll go when everyone else does. And then they walk away and Spencer's like, oh, well, I guess I better get people outside. Like, what do you, what do you people like try to do? Like, I know. What plan do you have? This is not a plan. Just be nice to them. Literally. But then while this is happening, Jenna's kind of getting on edge. She doesn't want to be here. Obviously, the she bitches are around making fun of her for being blind after they blinded yeah. her. Yes. I know. Um, And she's like, Shana, like, we've been here for over half an hour now. Can we just leave? And Shana's like, no, not yet. Like, I haven't seen the coach yet. And she's like, please. Like, I'm just not comfortable here. And she's like, okay, okay, let's go. But yeah. Arya decides, okay, well, she's about to leave. So I'm just going to, you know, be upfront about everything. And she's like, Jenna, I want to talk to you about Alison alone. Yeah. And Shana's like, basically, like, F off. Like, you don't get to speak to her mm-hmm. alone. And as they're walking away, Arya shouts out. She's like, Ali was my best friend. So you have to tell me. Like, she owes her something. Yeah, I know. But, like, also... This is not the right tone at all because Jenna doesn't care that Ali was your best friend because she literally hates Ali. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. I don't understand what you were trying to achieve here. And Jenna literally owes you guys nothing. I know that, you know, you guys didn't throw the thing, the smoke bomb, whatever it was, but you blinded her. You were accomplices. You never said anything and you let her stepbrother go to jail for it, or juvie for it. Yeah. Like, and also you're a effing bitch to her all the time why would she owe you anything yeah you guys have like literally continued to taunt her for the last two years three years however long it's been and like she i don't know correct me if i'm wrong but she actually hasn't done anything to them in this whole entire time i mean she did get caleb to spy on hannah yeah but to be fair because she thought they were doing dodgy shit to her yeah that's true i'm trying to think they should do anything to them like she's done terrible things to other people but she hasn't done anything to these girls and also aria i feel like in particular is really terrible to Jenna because they had the whole art pottery thing as well where she pretended to be her friend. Yeah, yeah, she literally just bullies the shit out of this blind girl and then acts like she's the victim. I know. Like, oh, why does Jenna hate us? I don't know, maybe because you've been torturing her? I know, literally. 
Anyway, cake gets in the way. So the announcement of cake basically makes everyone flock towards the cake and get in the way of the blind girl and Shana. So Jenna gets separated from Shana and Shana gets separated from Arya and they all part ways basically. And yeah. then Arya goes up to Emily and she's like, hey, like, have you seen Spencer? And she's like, oh yeah, she was outside looking for Jenna, but I'm going to come with you now. So she goes outside and um, Arya and Emily are like looking around for Spencer, but Arya starts talking to Jake and yeah. Emily turns around and sees like a body floating in the water and she screams out like Spencer and starts like trotting into the water and pulling her out flips her over and it's Jenna Jenna's been pushed into the lake and she's not breathing so Jake helps pull Jenna out of the water as well but as she's being carried away in an ambulance we look down at Emily's hands and we see like blood covering her sleeve and it's from the back of her head apparently yeah so that's what happens to Jenna yeah but also it's interesting because I didn't think about this at the time but like you said, Emily ran in and helped her thinking it was Spencer. I wonder if she would have helped if she knew it was Jenna. I think she would have, honestly, because I don't think as much as like the girls seem to hate Jenna, I don't think Emily actually hates her. She wouldn't like just let her drown. But didn't Hannah also pull her out of a burning building before? Yeah, that happened. Yeah, that was at um Jason's house. Yeah, Jason's house. That's right. So why is it everyone constantly trying to kill this poor blind girl? Like she literally cannot catch a break. But anyway, Spencer goes to the hospital and she sees Shana. She's like, have you seen Toby? And Toby is apparently in with yeah. his, you know, dad and stepmom, um, mm. checking in on Jenna. My question is, I thought yeah. that like he didn't speak to his parents anymore. And also like, yeah, basically didn't want anything to do with Jenna because she was molesting him. He doesn't except for when it's convenient to the plot. Spencer needed to ask Shana something. And then she basically turns around on Shana. She's like, Shana, you have to tell me who did this. Because, you know, it could be you next or me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's like, was it Ali? And Shana's like, Ali is dead. Like, are you dumb? Ali's dead. I know. <laughs> like, I know. I, I actually love that scene. I know. Same. It's so like, I don't know, healing. <laughs> yeah. So Ali is dead, Spencer. She goes to walk away. And she's like, well, who is Jenna so afraid of Shana? You have to tell me. And Shana turns around, stares her dead in the eye and says, Cece Drake. And then she walks away. Yeah. Like, dang. And like, yeah, they don't ask anything else. No follow-ups as always. Just leave it. Like, wouldn't you go, okay, she's opened up to me. What can I help you and Jenna with? Why are you scared of Cece? Yeah, why are you scared of Cece? Should we be scared of Cece? What's going on? Yeah. Maybe we can help each other. Yeah, no, nah, that's it. Just the name drops so that they can run to more conclusions. Exactly. Um, and that's all that happens for the Jenna timeline, but we can talk a bit about like what happens with her and Toby now. The Toby storyline starts with the A scene at the end of episode nine. So A is um drinking and spilling red wine. And they're playing a song called Anytime on the Piano. And then they attach a note to the sheet music and then they put it in an envelope. Yes. Like you said, it is marked for Toby. And then we start the Toby sort of storyline with the fact that Toby gets back from hunting down an address that led to the PO box that Taylor packed. Yeah. And he sees that envelope on the step in the brew, which leads up to his apartment, basically. I have a question. Does Toby need keys to the brew or is he only allowed to come and go during business hours? Business hours. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, then what's stopping him from just going downstairs and getting a sandwich? <laughs> also true. I suspect he has keys. I suspect so too. But I feel like it would be a weird thing as a business owner to give some random, like, 17-year-old yeah. kid. 100%. Also, because you know I would be sneaking down in the middle of the night to steal a muffin from the fridge. Like, that's exactly <laughs> Exactly. A muffin. And, like, also it's fully stocked, right? So you can make, like, a ham and cheese croissant for yourself in the middle of the night. It's delightful. You never pay for food again. Yeah, I didn't know until right now, but I want to swap lives with Toby. 
I know, right? Yeah, so the note, I don't know if you mentioned this already, the note on the sheet music that he finds says, leave the lamb alone and go for the lion. Kisses A. Okay, so I have issues with this because in the next scene, Spencer comes over and is like, okay, so obviously this note means leave Eddie Lamb alone and go after after Dr. Palmer. Why is Dr. Palmer yeah. a lion? Don't know. <laughs> and why is that obvious? I don't know. Like the lamb reference I get, but like I was yeah. sitting there thinking, is Palmer a type of lion or something? I couldn't piece that together either. Give me one second. I'm going to Google the leave the lamb alone. Okay, so I found a Reddit post from nine years ago. I'm Mm. guessing when this was airing about it. Someone said, clue to Toby from A. I don't know how Spencer jumped from lamb equals Eddie lamb makes sense to lion equals Dr. Palmer makes no sense. And they said Palmer pointed to Jessica. I guess she's the lion. Yeah, I don't get it because I'm like, how could you have pointed out as him being the the lion? Like, it's just not clear to me. Yeah. So if any of our listeners know, like, what this means, please let us know. Yeah, please let us know. I am searching and searching and I am finding nothing. But apparently it's correct. That's where they need to go because once again, A can predict the memories that are going to be triggered by a song. Yeah. Spencer and Toby go back to see Dr. Palmer and he basically says, do you recognize this sheet music? And Dr. Palmer says, uh, like it looks familiar. And he says, Toby says, my mum used to play it all the time. He's like, ah, oh, yes, yes, I know now. Um, but he doesn't mm. really remember much and can't talk to him. He says, you know, I can't play the music. I don't know how to play the piano. Sorry. But of course, little Miss Spencer knows how to play the piano. And she's like, starts playing the sheet music. And Dr. Pa- this triggers a memory for Dr. Palmer. Like, Aid not only knew they were going to go for the lion, but he knew it would trigger a memory in the lion. Exactly. A can, again, like we said just before, A can predict what is going to trigger memories for other people. And through music is another version of it. Because, like, remember when um, A triggered a memory that um, Mona was singing a song one time for someone else? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But anyway, so as she's playing, Dr. Palmer starts to think that he's talking to Marion, like Toby's mum. And, you know, they're like, oh, like, it's so good that you found your music again. Like, you seem like you're doing really well. So have you invited Toby to come listen to your music? And Mm -hmm. Spencer says no, but can you please just tell me again who that blonde girl is you want me to stay away from? And he's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, you know, you told me to stay away from blonde girl. She's dangerous. And Dr. Palmer's like, oh, yeah. But anyway, our time is up. And as he's being wheeled away, he says to the nurse that's wheeling him away, oh, could you please send in Mrs. De Laurentiis? Spencer, um, basically, when she goes to see Mrs. D later on with Emily, she just sort of asks her about Dr. Palmer. She's like, hey, like, do you know a Dr. Palmer? And Mrs. D is like, oh, yeah, like, you know, what kind of doctor is he? And then Mrs. D takes us on a flashback. Um, and basically, within the flashback, we see Ali playing piano. Jessica storms in. She's like, do you think this is funny? And Ali has no idea what she's talking about. Um, and Jessica goes on to say, you know, I got this phone call and they said, you know, we have your daughter. She's in danger and she wants to stay here with us. And I get there and I'm rushing through lights trying to get a hold of your father. I get there. And what do I see? But Cece Drake dressed in your clothes. Mm. And Allison's kind of like, oh, my God, like, I can't believe that crazy bitch actually did it. Um, mm. I didn't know she was going to do it. Also, she acts like this was – okay, so there's, like, a few things with this. Like, first of all, she acts like this is some, um, like, real insane prank. Like, it is, but only in the sense that it's, like, mental, not, like, it's, you know, out of control. It's just, like, stupid is what it is. Yeah. It's not like – you know, like, she acts like it's, like, a real, like, wild move, but it's, like, it's not – it's yeah. just a dumb move. Like, what was this meant to achieve? Just to freak out it Jessica, like the I dumbest guess. prank ever. Yeah, but then Mrs. D goes on in this uh, memory to tell 
Allie that even the doctor she spoke to agreed that their friendship is toxic and she doesn't want her to CC anymore. Yeah, so she's real mad about this prank and it sounds like they got up to this sort of stuff all the time. And then we come back into current day and Mrs. DeLaurentis tells them that everything, even from the beginning, something about their relationship was very wrong, like between Allie and Cece. Hannah was like, oh, like wearing each other's makeup and clothes. And she's like, no, more like wearing each other's personalities. And that's creepy. It is, yes. But then Spencer draws the parallel to the fact that, oh, that must be why Ali made those masks because she wanted Cece to look like her because she told the guy, I want my friends to look more like me. And they all thought that she was having a dig at them. But she thinks it's in reference to Cece. So thanks everyone for joining us. Um, on this episode of Shadeswoods. Join us next week for um, an episode of Whisperia Lane. If you have anything that you want to talk to us about, ask us about, or um, just general comment, so then you can reach us on at Worst Sister Shire on Facebook, Instagram, Reddit, TikTok, and at Sister Worst on Twitter. You can send us an email at worstsistershire at gmail.com. I'll count us out with a hard Three, two, one. Hadabam! Hadabam.